Yes, we're back. Can you believe it? Welcome. I have missed you guys so very much. I am so sorry that I've missed you for so long. I cannot believe it. I am back in full gear this time. We are ready to take off after that break. Oh, I just want to introduce ourselves. I'm Tina over here, your backup plan app. I am the creator and developer of Your Backup Plan, a best-selling author in the blink of an eye, and a financial advisor and an emergency preparedness coach. I am so, you know, I, I can't take the smile off my face, guys. I'm so happy to be back here with my guests, my best friends ever. I have built so many over the last four years. This is our first show for our fourth year for the season. I'm so excited. I normally do a fun show, so I'm going to do that next month. And last year we did Family Feud, where we invited um, four, four or five guests on our show to do the game. And it was so much fun. And we got to know each other better and, and have a few laughs, and that's what life's all about. So we were on all podcast platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and of course, Pinterest. And wherever else we are, I'm not really sure, but I'm sure we're somewhere else too. Um, we talk about real life stories here with really amazing people on our shows about their life-changing events that have happened in their lives. It could be a tragedy, a trauma, sickness, or even an accident. And in the blink of an eye, that's how quickly something happens. And that's what we talk about because something unexpected hits you and your life changes. And that's why I've been away for two months just going through that healing process. So I'm so, that's why I'm so excited to be back, everybody. Um, and let's do a quick commercial. And we are going to introduce Mr. Frank here in a quick second. Our uh, before I start the commercial, I just want to say this is quite an informative interview, guys. This is a husband's love, uh, honoring a promise that I made is I will keep. And it's really a lovely, lovely story. And it should be for here for all the men out there to listen to. So let's get this party started. And I'll be right back. Wow. It's here. Finally, your backup plan app. To put your life in one place in preparation of any unpredictable circumstance. Grab it today over on iTunes and Google Play and get your backup plan started. Whether it's organizing your estate plan, your exit plan in a storm, your emergency plan in the blink of an eye moment. It is the best gift you can have at your fingertips for yourself and your loved ones. We're back. I'm excited to be here, guys. And our show today, honoring as a husband's love, honoring a promise I made is a promise I will keep. And let's bring on Frank coming to us from the East Coast side of the world here in the United States. 
Welcome, welcome, Frank. Um, maybe you'd like to give a little bit of an introduction about who you are first with our listeners. Um, well, I'm a, an author, um, an artist. I love sculpting. Oh, cool. Um, I'm, a, I'm a writer. Uh, I'm writing a third book at present. I'm on my, actually, the third chapter. I was working on that before we uh, came on air. Um, and I'm you come husband. to us, and you're from, you're... I'm from, I'm from Rhode Island, uh, the Northeast. Uh, it's a small state. I grew up in uh, the restaurant business. My mom is Greek, my dad is Italian, and we had a small diner. And I started working there when I was 11 years old. Oh, cool. Standing on a wooden Coca-Cola crate so that I could reach over the edge of the sink to get the silverware that would be at the bottom and wash, you know, dishes. Wash dishes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you're the everything boy. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So then, um, where did this, you know, venture journey start for you? Cause it's quite the story of, of your spouse passing. Um, I'm, I'm sure all of us would say we, we don't wish that on anybody, um, you know, and I think you need strength and love sent to you every minute of the day to to get through each day, each week. You do, um, especially in the early stages. Uh, it's uh, traumatic. It leaves you uh, with the loss of lost, self. Feeling yeah. lost? Lost, helpless, hopeless filled with despair, sorrow, not knowing what to do with yourself, seeking isolation. You don't want to be social. You don't want to be with family. You want to be left alone. But it started in 2000, and that was when Judith was diagnosed. And, and how long were you married, uh, Frank? Um, we were together for oh, I would say almost 16 years. And we developed a, an amazing relationship. Uh, we had a catchphrase that was very specific to our relationship. And that is, I want to be, and I want to be with you. That's cool. And yes, you, the allowance of the be is to be yourself. Yeah. To be, to, your, be ex here. to be accepting and to, to just be who you are, to be honest, forthright, like a Boy Scout, honest, trustworthy, loyal, yeah. friendly, kind, courteous. Right, all of those. All, all of those things. And that was the basis of our uh, the relationship. And we grew together uh, in a ways that were pivotal for us. And what's interesting is we didn't know one another when we were kids, yet we grew up two blocks away from each other, not knowing each other. But our lives did this for long periods of time, not knowing one another, yet being in the same place at the same time, enjoying family, never being introduced, 
until she came into my office <laughs> as a patient. Oh, neat. And uh, at the time, I was going through a divorce. And, you know, you have, you have a moment when you meet someone. They say you have one second to, have, to make an impression. Yeah. Well, in, in that one second, it's not that we went like this. It was yeah. more like, it was more like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. uh, for me, anyhow, any, I lost my voice. Um, I couldn't speak. <laughs> You're supposed um, to talk. And, and, I'm a, and I'm a chiropractic physician. I'm there to ask <laughs> questions and find out what's going on with her. She came in for, because of a car accident. I was, I was like, blown away. So I crossed my arms <laughs> and leaned against the, the wall. And she looked at me and she goes, well, are you, are you going to say anything? <laughs> say something? <laughs> and I, and I it kind of snapped me out of it. And I went, oh, yes, uh, my name's Dr. Mayo. How can I help? What are you doing? <laughs> I was like stumbling and just going over this thing. But, and that was our first encounter. Um, and I, I describe it and talk about it in the book because the book is broken up into parts. It's not like going through chapters. It's right. It's a, a timeline. A timeline of, of integration and the intimacy that we have, the the, the strengths that we developed. Uh, but when two thousand, when she was diagnosed with breast cancer, we were both. Uh, was naturally devastated by that. Were you together at the time? Yes. Oh, yeah. Did she know something was wrong? No. We had just, within the past six months, 1999, we had, had signed and taken over our first home. So we were in the process of painting, decorating, and she would take me mm -hmm. to rug stores and her dad owned the rug business and she'd be turning rugs upside down and I'm looking and I'm going, wait, I learned more about rugs going shopping with her than I ever knew <laughs> in my life. You know, and and she was giving explanation and she helped me along. Me, I'm a grab and go shopper. You know, if you need to a list, go to the store, go to the store, get the stuff and leave. Yeah. Judith was a reader of labels. She goes shopping and read labels. I mean, that has purpose, you know. But that's what yeah. we, did when we went into the rug store, you know. It was like flipping, looking at the labels. Where did it come from? Pakistani? Was it Turkish? Was it this? Was it that? And was the backside a reflection of what was on the front? So it's like a, a negative... Uh, uh, picture, mm -hmm. see the color thing, or and uh, I mean, she took. I learned about fibers and how mat and the way it moves and how you can feel it, and I was like, but her dad, that's what he did, and that's yeah. what she learned, like you did so, with food. Yeah, that's it. I mean, growing up in the restaurant business, yeah, that's it. I mean, yeah, and people. <laughs> <laughs> in the service business. Um, so 
were you at the doctor's appointment? Is that how you found out together? Yeah, or? she um, she waited three months after uh, we finally kind of got settled. She was supposed to have it done in December, and she had put it off until March of twenty. Uh, I mean, of two thousand, and she got the results uh, that there was a, a, a lump from the uh, mammogram and uh, then we went to the oncologist's office and got more information and then had to go for a biopsy and then the biopsy was you know the worst news we could have ever imagined it was an aggressive form of breast cancer but it was not large that's oh. the thing it was very small it was less than the size of a pea. Oh my, imagine I mean, that. However, if she had gone in December, the mammogram would not have picked it up. Oh. In which case she would have died within a year. She would have been gone. But because she had waited, they found it. Well, she went through the treatment and she got a clean bill of health two years after all of that oh, good. process. And then we went for our real honeymoon that we never had or had taken. And we had we went to North Carolina to, we love lighthouses. So we went to see Hatteras and any other lighthouses we could find along the way. Um, but she had issues with balance and she was, because the slope of the beach is very steep in the Carolinas because of the strength of the ocean in, in that area of the, the state. She was falling down. She had some discomfort and tingling in her hands when we were driving down. We didn't pay much attention to that. But by that evening, she was in excruciating pain. And uh, we decided to leave. Uh, we were supposed to be there for four days. We left within two and headed back to Virginia. Uh, when we were able to get back into the hospital, it wasn't too long after coming back. It was only within the day. We found out that uh, the cancer had metastasized to her brain. Oh. Um, then we find out that chemotherapy does not cross what they call the blood-brain barrier. So that whatever treatment she was receiving for the body was not affecting, affecting her head. anything going on up in her brain. Uh-oh, we lost Frank for a quick second. We've had nothing but technical issues today. That's how strong this new moon is coming in, guys, this week. Unbelievable. So poor Frank, we're going to have to remember where we left off with him. And uh, he might not remember. Oh, there he is. He's coming back in. There we go. We'll get rid of the other Frank. Hold on. Oh, okay. <laughs> See you, Frank. <laughs> Where did Have a nice like... trip. 
<laughs> there we go. Remove. There we go. <laughs> Frank oh, one is gone. <laughs> all right. But so it so, doesn't affect your head. Is no, it doesn't. The, the 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 chemical treatments, uh, the drugs don't cross over. So um, that she received um, gamma radiation for that. The end result was that she lost her hearing because it was sitting right between her ears oh, poor uh, thing. on the top of her brainstem. And it was the size of a kiwi fruit. I don't know if you heard that. So isn't that weird how it goes from here to up and then grows up there? Yeah. Was it growing somewhere else too, or is it just not, it just not at that particular time? It did uh, because even though they did that treatment and she was doing fairly well, um, it did move down into her cervical region after that point, and they wanted to get her back on chemo. And at that point in time, she said, "I need a quality of life." We've been battling this now for four years. I'm done. I want to. I want to be with family. And of course, Natasha and I are there. We're both in shock that she's saying this, but we understood her, her yeah. reasoning. We didn't like it. But we Was the radiation her painful for her? It's not so much uh, the, the gamma radiation. Uh, wasn't necessarily painful, but it was disconcerting for her because she would come out of there and say, I can still feel the pounding of the machinery in my head because it would go oh. and shooting gamma rays. Boom, boom, boom. So I think it's loud even when it's not your head. So yeah, it's just yeah. even louder, yeah. Yeah, so that was uh, a thing. So we moved down to Florida. Her mom and dad were in Ocala. My mom and dad were in, in uh, Citrus Springs, which isn't too far from Ocala. So we bounced from one house to another uh, in the process of being her primary caregiver. And uh, that continued for about six months. And then two days before her 58th birthday, she decided it was time to go. And uh, that she was, was that. so young. Very young. Very young. She's still with me, though. She's She knocks me around. <laughs> so, you know, so that, that subconscious nudge, you know, bonk. You yeah. Know, it's like, you know better. Yeah. That's, you know. What are you doing, Frank? <laughs> but she, um, the... Did she love Windex? No. She didn't like Windex at all. She liked bleach and water. <laughs> you know why I say that, don't you? I'm not quite sure. My Greek fat, my fat Greek wedding. Oh. <laughs> and... No, I, I just I didn't see the loved Windex after that. I, well, I know, but I, I don't. I see. See now, I'm um, uh, I'm not a, a a big movie guy. Oh, okay. 
However, that said, uh, Judith liked movies. Oh, okay. So the first movie she dragged me to was Robin Hood. Oh, wow. And we we saw that uh, we had gone sailing because um, we love to sail. Her father-in-law, um, I mean her. Um, yeah, it was Portuguese, and he sailed. In Rhode Island, there's 400 miles of coastline. If growing up in the state of Rhode Island, you can honestly say to someone from a different state, I grew up with sand between my toes. Yeah. Because of the proximity. But he loved to sail. Natasha loves to sail. In fact, she, I love to sail. Judith loved to sail. Her, her brothers loved to sail. Um, and that uh, process uh, became one of her end of life wishes, um, sailing end of it. But uh, yeah, that Robin Hood. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was getting. <laughs> Doing my usual, uh, doing the circle thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's thing. okay. But uh, uh, yeah, your so. story's cool. So, what do you think? Um, do you think the moment she was told that she had breast cancer, or do you think the second bout of cancer was more difficult to handle? That's a good question, Tina. Um, I have to say they were both traumatic. The initial one was uh, took our breath away, but the second one cut us off at the knees. Uh, and, you know, I, I always talk about things that are life changing and just I, I say it's in a blink of an eye. It's it's the it's the snap of your fingers. It's just like, mm -hmm. oh, my God, what just happened? Yeah. Like yeah. you don't, you don't even think that, but you, and then your brain just goes into stagnant. Fog. You go into fog. Um, to, you couldn't think if you wanted to. <laughs> no, uh, no, you, you couldn't. Um, when the oncologist is sitting behind his desk and he's going through all the paperwork and telling Judith what's going on, I had been sitting there, uh, I have a lot of nervous energy, so I tend my my legs. I do this a lot, um, or I tap a table, or I'll be wiggling my fingers. Um, it's uh, self stim. I do it for self stimulation. It, it tries. It keeps me focused. Right. Um, but when I heard those words, it was like that. Peanuts character. That's perfect way of describing it. It just because you think of it when they said it, and you're like, "What? What? Yeah." Because uh, Judith is holding my hand, and the tears coming down her cheeks, and she was never one for sitting back. I mean, she was educated as a nurse, even though she was a legal research and writer, and she taught that. She had her own uh, uh, legal assistant business. 
which was very successful for her up in the state. But uh, so she just said, well, is it cancer? Just again, I'm still. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he said, well, you know, we have to do the, the mammo, uh, do the um, biopsy. And uh, he said, okay. And um, he made another remark of recommendation, and that was the end of the visit. Oh. It, it was like, okay, you can go we'll home be in now touch. with that information. Yeah, see you. Uh, um, as Come a physician, see you sometime. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the I have to say, <laughs> as a as a physician, I felt his bedside manner was in the gutter because he walked in the door, no handshake, no introduction, sat down at his desk and went right into his thing. Oh dear. It's like I had- His social skills were lacking. Yeah. So if there's one thing I learned from chiropractic school was to be a listener and to keep your mouth shut until it's in required of you to open it. Yeah. And but a lot of doctors aren't so social. No. Bedside no. manner, I guess they call no, it. No, they don't they don't look they don't necessarily look at people. Yeah. They may see them, but they don't look at them. So. And I would think in that business of oncology you would have to have some sympathy and some I think it is I think it is uh, dependent upon the practitioner. Because when Judith had some issues and needed to be hospitalized because her counts, as they call them, had plummeted to such a degree that the, the chemo had, you know, her immune system was almost shut off. And she was, um, I finally took her into the hospital. She needed boost. She needed a blood boost. And this guy wasn't planning on giving her one. Yeah. We told him, she told him, I know my body. Yeah. I'm not doing well here. I need some help. And you need to give me a boost. And he said, well, your numbers aren't low enough. Two days oh. later, oh, dear. I took her into the emergency room. She was admitted immediately. She was basically in a... I wouldn't say a coma coma, but she was out for yeah. three days. Incoherent, you know, no, look, she couldn't, she wasn't opening her eyes. It was like she was asleep. Oh dear. You must've worried about that. Oh, I was in the hospital. I was sleeping in a chair on the third, third day. And I, you know, in the, <laughs> You don't hear your name. You're, you're sleeping and you hear your name. You yeah. don't necessarily respond. Right? Yeah. So she's calling me. In the bed. In, from the bed. And I'm like, I'm asleep. So finally it was like, Frank! <laughs> <laughs> Did that make her laugh? Or? <laughs> 
So do you think you, what would you say to men then about hearing that for other women? You know, the person going through it needs so much support, but so does the person that's helping the other person. The care, the caregiver, um, in that particular disease entity, the husband is shown no respect. I say that not aggressively or in a in a bad manner. It's just that sometimes we don't know what well not sometimes we don't <laughs> know what to do. Being well, they don't give you a book on it, do they? When you're born, this is what you do. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, look at it this way. Um, we're not we're not uh, we're not wired for communication. Uh, we're wired for empathy. We're certainly wired for sorrow and, and fear and all of those other aspects. But when your spouse has breast cancer, the patriarchal training that you received from your parents or uncles and grandparents that you learn by example holds no water. Yeah. To be stoic, to have answers, to be protective of family goes right out the window. To be strong and not cry. Doesn't it doesn't fit. You your feet are in two worlds. One in that patriarchal environment, the other in in the world of breast cancer that you have no training for. Yeah. It's like being a parent for the first time. You have no training for it. Yeah. You know, but, uh, that well, was the, the training you have is from what you were brought up with, I guess you could say. Yeah. So right? but I don't see any difference now. Um, in 2004, there were no Facebook groups. There was no uh, opportunity for conversation. I went to hospice for counseling, group counseling, there were no other husbands. Oh. There, were, there were other people there Yeah, yeah. for losses, but there wasn't a single other male who had lost his wife to breast cancer. Yeah. They, had, they didn't understand the level of uh, Loss of like, self-esteem, loss of voice. You lose your voice to be able to communicate your emotions to anyone. Do you think men have difficulty in that more so, or is it? Absolutely. It's yeah. part of our upbringing. I mean, that's the way we're, like I said, that's the way we're wired. Yeah, Women yeah. are wired to communicate. Women are wired to express uh, emotional values in an outward manner, we hold things in. That's our that's our thing. We're the cavemen. 
Yeah, you know, duh, yeah, you can do it. We can do it. But when Superman, breast cancer, I call him. yeah, well, when breast cancer knocks on your door, no, duh, duh, duh is going to do anything. No. Yeah. It's more So like, I what needed are you going to do now? <laughs> yeah, so I, so I wrote the book specifically uh, for other husbands and other, I, other spouses as well. Yeah. I want to take a quick second while we're halfway through the show. Um, Frank's information is all down in the description box below, as including his book, which we'll be talking about, um, as well as um, any of the links that you would like to go to for your backup plan, because that's who sponsors our show. So take it back, Frank. Um, I wanted to ask you, how do you think that made you feel when you, you heard your wife has breast cancer? What did that do to you emotionally? I'm going to be tough on you. Uh, yeah, well, uh, to, to be honest, um, I was immobilized. Physically, emotionally, mentally. Because I was saying to myself, okay, we, I can do this. We can do this. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm trying this. to say that in your house, in your head. Yeah, you know, this can be, we can fix this. You know, I can fix this. But I was trying to be the husband I was trained to be. And that's not what works. So, <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, for husbands. Uh, did you try to bring situation. humor into it a little bit? Or what did you finally, after it soaked in a bit, did you find that you you were both what? doing better with one certain area, like laughter or oh, storytelling? Uh, his, or, okay. You his, know, uh, his, what did you yeah, find? Glad, that oh, actually, I'm glad you said that. Um, we started journaling. And uh, journaling helped me to, to understand uh, the situation. However, I have to, there's a quantifier or a qualifier. Uh, Judith was able to jump right in. Remember, women have this ability to communicate. And I said, well, Judith, was, you know, she could write. She could express her emotions. I was the caveman again. Yeah. And here I am, I'm twirling the pencil, tapping it on the table. Got my, got my journal open. In fact, that, I also I made a couple of notes in my journal today, as a matter of fact. I still journal. And it's now, what, 2023? Almost 19 years. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm still journaling. I never did it before this time. Um, but I found that. It was a struggle at first, but you it was. were able to. What I did was I doodled, you know, true stick figures and stuff like that because I, I couldn't get what was in here to come through here to go down onto a piece of paper. Yeah. It just, it, it, the loop couldn't make the connection because it was still raw. It was still uh, overwhelming. 
What other changes do you think you made? I mean, you started journaling and you're continuing to do that. Yeah. What about, well, you were taking trips. So that was on your bucket list, I guess, certain things. Yes. You well, part started of facing of, that. Yeah. One of Judith's um, end of life uh, wishes, because we. You talked about the, that too. Yeah was uh, we wanted to give something back to the Massey Cancer Center, which was uh, the Dalton uh, Cancer Clinic out of uh, Richmond, Virginia. To do that, uh, we, we thought we would take people, other patients, out on a sailboat for a day of sailing, kind of like getting away getting, feeling the breeze on their cheeks, a moment of solace and uh, independence separate from being on land. But that didn't work out because Jews said, you know, we really can't do that because of legal issues, liability situations. We said, okay, so what do you want to do? said, well, you love to say, you want to sail the ocean. <laughs> you won't take a cruise with me because if you get on a cruise boat, you're going to go right up to the, the wheelhouse and tell the captain to move over because you're going to want to steer the boat. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, okay, well, that's true. So he said, I want to take a cruise to Bermuda. So we talked about it. I said, okay. So all right, so here's the deal. You sail the Bermuda. I'll cruise to Bermuda, we'll meet there, and then we'll sail around the island of Bermuda for a while. And then you can sail back, and then I'll, I'll come back. I said, oh, that works. Well, we didn't do that. Time didn't. The time factor wasn't, wasn't there, and their health diminished dramatically. So that wasn't an issue. So, But it was important to do some trips, though. It was important to do some planning, right? Yeah, do some planning. So what I did was uh, to honor her strength and dignity. I decided that I would do a solo sail to Bermuda to raise funds for breast cancer awareness at the Dalton Clinic in Virginia. So she passed away, that was 2004, it took me three years to do it. I tried in 2006. Uh, got my arse handed to me royally by Mother Nature. Yeah. Uh, thought the Coast Guard would find me dead hanging off the side of the boat, to be honest. So much damage, not only to the boat, but to me spiritually. Yeah. You know, I, I'm kind of, it's kind of like, you know, uh, I, no, you're not ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> try again. Uh, try again. So, I, I was backing it in, actually. I was so despondent about it. And but our very good friend, Mike, uh, came into the bar one afternoon after I got off the tugboat, because I was working on, on tugboats at the time uh, as a deckhand, and proceeded to smack me and said, you can't give up. You made a promise. I never met Judith, 
but I'm not letting you stick your tail between your butt and not do this. I told you you should have taken me in the first place because my Irish Scottish, I won't say it, can easily go up the mast and do whatever it is that needed to be fixed. Well, at the time I had been going through a lot of uh, uh, emotional change and realization through some of the uh, reading and listening and things that I was doing to uh, help myself. What do you think from a man's point of view is it the hardest, do you think? Is it the, har- the hardest the loneliness or the, the whole? Yes, absolutely. The- you know, Tina, you, you go through a period of time when it, you miss the presence of your spouse. And that lasts. I mean, I miss her now. But the level or the, the impact of not having her by my side or in my presence within the f- first five years of her passing, passing yeah. was very extremely difficult because I would walk into the house and say, I'm cooking. And then realize, oh, I'm alone. Yeah. And that's that's so the, many moments like that that makes yeah, it so difficult. Yeah, you have a lot of them. You have a lot of them. Um, I mean, I continue to talk to her. Uh, that nudging that I mentioned earlier was something that where I am now in the process of of doing podcasts and moving forward, uh, giving presentations and speeches and writing another book, was her knocking me off a pallet and me standing there laughing and hearing her in my ear going, Francesco, stand tall. You have much more to give. <laughs> uh, you are here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like you've been listening to my self talk. Yeah, you know? yeah. Because I was not, it's not that I was being down on myself, but I was feeling as though I wasn't making any headway. Right. What um, changed for both of you to be better prepared for passing? You decided uh, to take Judith trip was attempting journaling. to prepare me. Okay. Uh, like, were she, you familiar with the bank accounts and paying of the bills? Oh, and yep, that all was of that? never. Yeah, that was never an issue. What was the difficult part? Um, um, the, the difficult part was being her primary caregiver and watching her decline. Yeah. Um, watching her, not that she would lose, she was losing her sense of self, but herself was changing. Yes. And that 
you know, to me was uh, the hardest. Well, it, what do they call it? Um, anticipatory grief when you can see the person decline. Yes, you have, you know, you become anxious and your expectations of negative. But you have a lot of fear, like fear, what's it going to look you know, like? What's it going to be? Bad future. When well, it's re it's uh, it's it's leftover. You see, that's a uh, that's where the the books and and the speaking aspect uh, has come into play because I did a lot of research after 2012 about the power of words and the implication of uh, negative value. When we're brought up, we hear, can't do that, don't do this, be this, be that. Those are all negative values and they're learned. We carry that negativity throughout our whole life. Mm -hmm. Becomes part of us. We're ingrained with it. Then add news, war, Newspapers, uh, news. People talking about themselves. Oh, I'm having a bad hair day. <laughs> yeah. but, but but that's the process. That's how we. I can't do that. I can't do this. It becomes internalized. Becomes part of your personality. You have a negative value towards your presence as a human being. So did you, you have try to break and... that? Yeah, okay. you have to break so that tried... cycle. Yeah, you have to break. I guess you have to cycle. recognize it first, and then exactly, and that's the important thing. And sometimes we don't. Counseling helps. Uh, I didn't recognize that or realize that until 2012, because that's when I actually went. So, do you counseling. think you should have gotten right from the beginning? Exactly. If I had known or had an implication or an idea, then the amount of depression, complex depression that I went through, my abyss, my rabbit hole of emotional disquiet would have had a shorter lifespan. Right. Um, Probably would have given you some strength. For understanding. Well, yes, but you, because growing, like I mentioned, growing up in a restaurant business it engenders a strong work ethic. Yeah, to be tough, not to cry. be tough. Yeah, and so that adds to the patriarchal aspect of it yeah. as well. And there's a detriment. They're good qualities, but in points or times of emotional disquiet you need to open up yeah and what about um was it difficult to talk about what she wanted it to look like was it difficult to talk about those things because um and you know, everybody puts first, off doing a yeah, will, and everybody know, puts off what do you want, and a funeral, and... A short period. Know. 
I would say only about a week because Judith was going to have would not have any of that. Because she was going to snap survive. out of it. Yeah, snap out of it. This is what's going to happen. I want you to be prepared for this. But then reality sunk in. Well, that's what she was trying to get me prepared for. <laughs> was the reality. So it wasn't her, it was you having the difficulty in discussing it. Yes. She had reached a point of acceptance. She had made peace with herself. Whatever forehead wrinkles or expressions of anxiety that you could see on a person's face were gone. Gone. She was angelic, Tina. Absolutely angelic. That she had given it up to God. She had accepted and was waiting for her transition. But you aren't in her body, so you are thinking, no. you know, it's not going to no, happen. No, I'm not thinking that way. I'm saying no. fight. Yeah, fight it. Fight this. We can do this. You can yeah. fight this. And she wasn't, she wasn't. Uh, going to have any part of that. No. So why? Wh because I was taking away it? from her bliss. Yes. Yes. See, I was I was taking away from her bliss. She was ready. Yeah. I was fighting. Yeah. Still. Still. Yeah. So. So what part? Because that's what I do for a living is emergency preparedness. So how would you help people now knowing what you know and gone through this? What would you say to someone? Because it's a hard topic to talk about. It's a hard talk, but I, but I, when I do lectures or webinars, I talk about to people that it's easier to talk about these things when nothing's wrong. That's absolutely correct. Because and there's no fear then. It's just no. a discussion. And it's, uh, you know, like I talk about having a family conversation with your kids or family members as well as you and have appies and wine and coffee and tea and whatever it might look like and sit around a table and take a worksheet and start saying, what do you want when? And laugh about it. And really, that because works. there's nothing wrong with anybody, you know? No, of course not. But if you're dealing with an old school person, that's not gonna happen. What are you talking about? Why are you talking about that? Don't talk about that. That's not happening now. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the truth. But I hate to tell you, it is. And we don't know from one and minute to the next. That's right. And it's a difficult road to get them to step across to that the point. curb. Yes. Number one, journaling. I would suggest that to anyone, even if there's not a situation of loss or trauma. I think that's why diaries used to be a trend in a fad. You well, know, that was because... a female thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, it, but I think that's why, because as a teenager, you could go in secretively, put down your feelings inside this book. Yeah. Well, journaling now, diary, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It can be a spiral little 
pocket binding thing, or it can be something as elaborate as this. Yeah. Doesn't or one matter. that locks even. <laughs> you know, it gives you an opportunity to understand your emotion and you're using it. It's an extension of your desires because now you're putting them down on paper. It gives you an opportunity to formulate ways and means of developing resilience to situations uh, for your present, because you're not going to be dwelling on the past. You're going mm -hmm. to be dealing with what is now. The future things I'll talk about in a few minutes, but by journaling, if you can put down your negative thoughts and put down the I cans across them, like this kind yeah. of thing, it gives you an opportunity to, 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 to look at visual, both sides. Yeah, visualize them. It's like making a decision to do something that's a little bit out of the ordinary. So you make a list, the pros and the cons. Well, this is similar to what you're doing with your journaling technique. Yeah, yeah. So the other thing is to think of the three, what I call the three A's. Assimilation, acceptance, and absorption. It's almost like I'm talking about digestion. Yeah. But we're going to transpose that to emotion. If you're assimilating something, you, you, it's a subject, a process of modification. Right? So you want to fit your beliefs. So what are your beliefs about death? What are your beliefs about life? That's assimilation. So you're assimilating the, the information about the passing of your spouse. Acceptance is acknowledgement. You're acknowledging what the emotion that you're feeling for the loss. And the experiences that, that you're going through in that process. Without confronting them, it's like using the journal. You know, you're putting them down you will over time confront them because now you're visualizing them. You're placing them in a, the in a forefront. Box. Yeah, you, well, now you got them in the forefront. The box was my, what I call the jack in the box. That's where oh, I push, where I pushed everything. Right? Yes, into deep I thought, storage. I thought you would take it out and then organize it and put it in different. Oh, oh no. Well, that was my jack-in-the-box, but for all the things that I didn't want to, to deal with, uh, being a very good procrastinator. Uh, that, Shutting that, it aside. That was that, putting it aside. Right? But the other thing is to absorb it, to be mindful of it, to, to, to put it in a state of focus and attention. That way you can deal with it. Yeah. So you, you can place it into a vocabulary of acceptance assimilate it, and then absorb it and create answers for yourself. 
Yes. Find answers for yourself. Find answers for yourself. Those are my three A's. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. So a husband should understand that grief offers them no solace, offers them no compassion. Doesn't allow or offer you a gentle hand of support to hold you up. You're on your own for a period of time. But that's a choice. See, that's part of the isolation aspect. And you will go through that. You will not want to be social. You will just lock the doors and close the shades. Because that's what I did. It works I for think a because of your brain needs to. Um, well, you, you need to shut down. Yeah, you need to you need, just you need shut, to shut it shut off, down. and so that things can start flowing better. I think. But sometimes they don't, and that's when you're at the precipice. Yeah. You see, and and if you haven't got the the wherewithal to realize that you're there or that you're already in the process of falling into the abyss, it's going to take a long time for you to, to crawl your way out. Because that's what happened to me. It took me yeah. years to find my way out. So what's your objective? You need to transform yourself. You need to take steps to create positive language that offsets the negative language. Because you, there's a term called self-speak. If you're negative self-speak, that's the I can't, I won't, I don't deserve, all of those things that we talked about uh, growing up. Yeah. And needs to go to transition. You need to go to the positive side. So I can, I am, I will, I deserve. Those are positive aspects. And the more of those that you can infuse into your daily intentions and your daily life, the better off you will be. And that's where the journaling, affirmations, visualizations, meditation, prayer, exercise, changing your nutrition, health, yeah. all formulate and come into this wonderful little package of transformation, transformative enlightenment, the emotional prosperity you deserve. And I use that. Uh-oh. We lost Frank for a second again. I think his, his time was up or something, and the button's just like, you're gone. Frank will be right back after a quick second. There we go. All right, Frank number two. I'll we have it. to remove Frank number two. There we go. So here's a question. You have to ask yourself this. As a husband, what do I expect of myself? What can I improve in the moment? Will it guide and focus my intentions in a positive direction? 
add to that, ask yourself the question, what am I consuming? I don't mean food, drink, or anything like that. But what that you're is, listening to. Yeah, that's positive or negative. Does it feed my soul? Or does it add calories to my grief and loss? Or anxiety. These are all things that are important. Because yes. you're going to start to weave a new tapestry for yourself. You wove one with your wife. It was your marriage basket and your life together with the intentions that were yours yeah. together. Yeah. Now you're like this. It's only one side of the basket or one group of fibers that have no place to go. Yeah. So you have to, that's where your positive intentions come in, where the transformative aspects of finding that personal strength and your self-identity again, who you are, finding your personality again. Because you, be, I guess you lose that when there's two of you. Oh, yes, but. It's there, but. It's, it's not your focus. Well, it, it's not independent of one another. It's yeah, yeah. You together, you're moving as a unit. And it's probably where all that loneliness comes from, I, I, I guess, too. The I believe so. I believe so. Uh, uh, and something I, just I, popped in. Something just popped into my head, and I'm not quite sure. How to, uh, <laughs> uh, how to how to present translate this. it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the the book that I'm writing now. It's different from the one that's in the description box. Yes, uh, because I found that there's a need for that transformative side. And to utilize those things that, that I found, like the three A's, uh, the, the journaling, and yeah. what I call the what, why, and how of loss, but now becomes the what of positivity, the what of action that you're taking the why you're taking those actions mm -hmm. and the how of resolving them or moving them forward. So because you don't we have feel stagnant, stuck. Yeah, so you don't feel stuck. We all hear this, this triad on a regular basis, mind, body, spirit. But we don't think about how those words relate to mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual. Yeah, yeah, so we have three, mind, body, spirit. But when you think in terms of emotion, 
and the mind and the physical entity, you're not you're not getting the point. You're not getting because it's not deep enough. It's not deep enough because you're not incorporating the spiritual end, which is the most important aspect. It's a God factor. Yeah. And whatever that belief might be. Exactly. Whatever that belief might be, it is definitely the God factor. Because we need to be dependent on something. It's yeah. not, it's, you're never dependent on a spouse. Your partners. You're your, one with your spouse. You're one with it. There's a reliance there. There's not a dependency there. And that's where a lot of relationships fall apart. But there's what they call codependency. Yeah. But there's a the dependency is in the spirit, the substance, the spiritual substance that is in all of us, the energy that's in all of us. We are an expression yeah. of energy, just like Einstein said. Energy is neither created nor destroyed. It's in the table, it's in the chair, it's in the lights, it's in the wind, it's in the blinds, it's it's, it's in the energy air. in the air. It's it's everywhere. It flows through us comes down through us, in us, and out of us. It's a process, a principle, actually, that I learned in chiropractic. Above, down, inside, and out. Oh, that's cool. Well, that's because we use our hands. Mm -hmm. We put our hands on someone. We're touching their spirit. We're touching their energy. We're making a connection with them. That's so important. Yeah, yeah. It's so important. That was beautiful. Um, what kind of final message would you like to give the listener? Would you <laughs> like to add anything extra to that? Yes, I would, actually. Um, I'd like you to, to incorporate an acronym that I created. And I, in fact, wrote a whole chapter on it for an anthology of, of not a, my publication and other authors. And that's habit. Now, we all have a habit. We all think of habits. We all have habits that we might want to break. But this is a habit of acceptance. Healthy, H. Attitude, A. Can change behavior, B. And initiate I, thoughtfulness, T. If you can incorporate that in your daily. From the time you open your eyes to the time you close time you open your eyes. Not that it's a prayer, because I say, my prayers I say every day. I say through the course of the day. Yeah. That'll be an amazing change for you. A habit, because... you should start the habit. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so 
with that, with that habit, you're planting a seed here in your subconscious. That's going to, and if you do it daily, that repetition will act like an affirmation because now you can begin to visualize the positivity of your intentions on a daily basis. What is that going to do? It's going to lift you up. You lift you up, improve your well-being. Not only that, guess what? You do that, it's going to help somebody else without you even saying anything. Just being present, smiling, it's going to lift them. So you have the opportunity to change the world. Yeah. By taking my acronym to heart. So with that, there's a quote by James Allen. Okay. The greatest achievement was at first and foremost a time, a dream. The oak sleeps in the acorn. The bird waits in the egg. And in the highest vision of the soul, a working angel stirs. Dreams are the seedlings of reality. Create your reality. Create it, yeah. Create your reality, visualize it, write it, live it, eat it, drink it, See absorb it. it. And your life will improve. It will change for the better. And will have an impact and change other people's lives as well. And that's what I hope my books do. And that's what I speak to when I that's give presentations. Frank, do you have a book at your fingertips to show everyone? Uh, gee willikers. No. <laughs> no. That's okay. It's in the book. It's in the description box anyways. But. It is in the description box. And it's, it's interesting, you know, because I did bring one and it's not with me. Yeah, that's I, okay. I put it on the back seat of the truck. I said, oh, I got to take that. Yeah. And, and that's where it is. That's truck. all right. That's all right. But I will, I will, I will. Do you want to tell everyone the name of what? The, the title of the book is A Promise Made, A Promise Kept, A Husband's Journey Through Journaling to Heal the Loss of His Spouse. Excellent. And that is the stepping stone. To your next book. For my next book, which is, I have two titles. Uh, one is The Psychology of Healing. Uh, the yin and yang of emotional prosperity, and uh, which is the, the second title. Uh, yeah. I haven't quite come up with the... Uh, the perfect one yet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's I'm okay. It will come. It will come. Well, thank you, so, Frank. I, yes, I can't so, believe that... You we know, have, we, we, we could talk about this the time. forever. <laughs> I, I honestly, right? It's. Yeah, I think we should do. A, I think we should do a show together. Yeah, we should, and we could talk about um, just those things because there's just oh, so I much. Mean, I mean, do a show where we have somebody else coming. Yeah, absolutely. Tag yeah. team them. <laughs> yes, those are fun too. <laughs> Makes life interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <it's... laughs> 
So thank you, Frank, for, for coming on as a guest on our show today. It was, it, it's been an thank amazing Thank you so much. Interview. Your listeners can find the book on Amazon.com. Yeah. And if they have any comments that they would like to uh, share with me, they can reach me at my uh, email, fjd.writer at gmail.com. Okay. And I'll add that to the description box for the listeners as well. I'll put that in the bottom. Yes. So if you've taken anything from what Frank has talked about in our show today, it's to realize that, you know, you're not Superman, but we act like we are because nothing's going to happen. Right, Frank? Nothing's going to yep. happen. Just know you're not alone. Yep. You're not alone. And as you know, that's, you know, we're not Superman. We don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. We don't even know what the next minute's going to bring. So, you know, when we look at the last five years around us and the shootings in the school and the streets and work accidents and car accidents and overdoses and the pandemic that we've gone through, not to mention the crazy wars and natural disasters that we've seen and the wildfires and the floods and the hurricanes, it just keeps on getting bigger and bigger every single year. So don't forget to like that button down there that you like our show because that lets YouTube know that um, people want to watch us and um, smash that button. So and, and also don't forget to subscribe to our channel so you get told when our next videos are coming up. And if you are thinking about that special someone right now that you've been watching the show and they've been on your mind, you don't know how many birthdays you have left with them. And you don't know what tomorrow might bring. So make sure that you reach out to them, call them. We still have phones or knock on their door or FaceTime them or video them, whatever it is, and tell them how much you love and care about them today. And that being said, Frank doesn't know this, but I always end with Carol Burnett. I bet you remember who Carol Burnett is. Oh, I do. Yes. She was a, well, and she still is an awesome, awesome lady. And I'm so glad we had this time together just to have a laugh or sing a song. Seems we just get started. And before you know it comes a time we have to say so long. So long, everybody. Thank you, Frank, for coming on our show. Thank you so very much. Thank you so much, Tina. You're welcome. Blessings and health to you and your listeners. <coughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Everybody, expect the unexpected. And stay safe and be kind. Tell our next show. See you soon. Bye. There we go goes around.